The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Behold, your king, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. There are, as you know, lots of bad ideas about what Jesus is like. There are lots of bad ideas in our world, false ideas about Jesus' personality and his character. Today we hear that he is humble as we see him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. But what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be humble or mild, as it sometimes sounds? It's often thought that that means that Jesus was simply a really nice guy. Folks think that since he's humble, he never says a harsh word. They think that being mild is the same as being mild-mannered. So he's the kind of guy that probably got bullied in school, and you would have felt bad for him when you saw it, because he didn't do anything to deserve it. He was just a mild-mannered, nice guy. Some folks think that he's really sweet as a baby lying in a manger, and they think that that sweetness is his main trait as he grows up and his, makes his way towards the cross. He's quiet and unassuming, as the best kind of baby should be. Harmless, really. He may as well have stayed a baby, because that's the best thing about him. Or, some folks think, when he did grow up, he simply grew up to be a better version of the very best person you can imagine. So he would have been the homecoming king. He would have been first-round draft pick. He's far better at all of the things that you and I value. He's just a really great guy, a superstar. Or maybe he'd make a really great best friend. Someone you'd love to have on your side and who'd devote all your attention, all of his attention to you who's always up for whatever it is that you want to do and never insists on his own way. Or maybe he'd make a really great boyfriend, always making us feel like a million bucks, always giving us that reliable answer when we ask him, does this dress make me look fat? That kind of a boyfriend is the kind of boyfriend we all want. I think that those are the kinds of impressions that Jesus gives to people when they hear only this word, humble. He was humble. Those are the kinds of impressions that are conjured by the Christmas that we tend to celebrate in this world, a Christmas that has Jesus lying 
quietly, peacefully, in a manger. From the manger scene, we come away feeling like we have a grasp on Jesus and that he's pretty, pretty manageable. If you're willing to bounce him on your knee and listen to him coo softly, then everything, everything will be just fine. Today, I'd like to dispel, dispel all of those impressions. Although our gospel lesson says that Jesus is humble as he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, just as the prophet foretold, a humble Jesus is not the same thing as a really, really nice guy, or a superstar Jesus, or a little baby Jesus, or a best friend Jesus, or a boyfriend Jesus. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he rides in with humility, yes, but he is a humble king, and he is a warrior king at that. Paying close attention to those details, to that fact, really helps to temper some of these misconceptions about Jesus' humility. Here's what I mean. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, Matthew tells us that this happened to fulfill what the prophet foretold about Jesus. That prophet is Zechariah. And if you opened your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 9, you find those words that we heard in our gospel lesson. This is what Zechariah says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah is preaching to Jerusalem about the joy of her coming salvation. She needs salvation. The people of Jerusalem need salvation because they have been oppressed by enemies. Neighboring cities and nations have dealt wickedly with God's people. And so God is bringing vengeance. He promises to strike them down and to make them afraid, to make their enemies scatter, to cause them to writhe in anguish, that's what Zechariah says, and to be confounded. They will perish, those cities that have opposed Jerusalem, and they will be ruined. Their cities will be brought to nothing. That is the cause for rejoicing. That is the reason why this coming king Humble and mounted on a donkey is such good news. Not because he is mild-mannered and weak. Not because he is soft and approachable. But because he is coming to defeat the enemies of God's people. He is coming as a warrior king. His humility is not weakness. You heard in our gospel lesson that people spread their cloaks on the road before Jesus. And that story... The story of them spreading their cloaks on the road before Jesus echoes a story of another king in the Old Testament, a king that we don't hear too often about. His name was Jehu. Jehu. He was anointed king after the wicked king Ahab died. Ahab was one of the worst kings of Israel, leading all the people astray, teaching them to worship false gods, hurting them, persecuting them, not protecting his own people. Jehu was anointed king after Ahab it was a surprise to him. He was a commander in the military, and there he was one day having a council with the other commanders, and a fellow comes running into the room, a servant of the prophets, and that servant poured some oil on Jehu's head and anointed him and said, you're going to be the king of Israel. When all of the other commanders heard it, they did just what we heard in our gospel lesson this morning. They laid their cloaks on the ground, on the stairs before Jehu so that he could walk on them. This is the only other time that that happens in the Bible. But the remarkable thing about Jehu is that he was not, he was not mild-mannered or weak. Far from it. Jehu's mission was violent. 
The reason, the specific reason he was anointed to be king was to execute the wicked leaders of Israel and to wipe out the false prophets and to destroy the evil queen Jezebel, Ahab's wife. He was not mild-mannered or weak. Now, Jehu was an imperfect king, as they all were, far from perfect, in fact, and his humility, his humility was not a model for anyone. But he shows us something of the task that a warrior king has, a warrior king of God's people. A humble king must fight against enemies. He must be victorious. He must be victorious in order to bring peace. There can be no peace unless the enemies are destroyed. Jesus shows that this is his same mission in our gospel. Just after he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, he goes straight into the temple, and you know what he does in that temple. He overturns the tables, makes a whip out of cords, and drives the changers of money, those who are buying and selling, calling them thieves. You have turned my father's house into a den of robbers. He is there to drive out the enemies of God's people, to protect God's people from lies, from persecution, from falsehood and grief. He is not mild-mannered or weak. He was born a baby and laid there in the manger, but he was not meant to remain a baby. He was born to become a king, a warrior king who would execute justice and righteousness, as we heard Jeremiah say, saving his people and giving them peace by defeating their enemies. I think this is essential. Understanding this is essential to see what is meant by humility. What Jesus means when he says that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A king is a servant, but he does not serve according to the will of the people. He doesn't just give them whatever they want. He doesn't fulfill their every desire. He has a responsibility and his service is to his responsibilities, to his duties. His service is for the good of the people, whether they like it or not. His obligation is to love and take care of them, and, most of all, to defend them from their enemies. That is what makes him a humble king, that he gladly submits to this responsibility, that he fulfills this responsibility even though it costs him, even though it costs him his life, even though it costs him every imaginable pain, even though it costs him the affection of his father. That is what makes him a humble and good king. Compare Jesus, for instance, with Adam. Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam was put into the Garden of Eden to exercise dominion over God's creation. He was the image bearer of God. He was to be a king in the Garden of Eden. But when the serpent crept in, that great enemy, the devil himself, whispering in Eve's ear, Adam did not defend her. He did not grab the serpent by the tail as he should have and cast him out of the garden. He did not rebut the devil's lies with the truths of God's word. He didn't stop the devil from whispering in Eve's ear. Instead, he let her be carried away. He let her be tempted. And then he joined in as well. He let her fall away, and he fell away with her being aroused by the desires that the devil had put into their ears and by the hope for pride. He folded. Adam folded. He was soft and agreeable. He did not fight. He may have appeared humble 
and mild, but he was not. He was negligent and weak. And when God found them out hiding in their fig leaves, Adam threw Eve under the bus, as you all know. Adam was no king. He was not humble, but proud. He was not a servant, but selfish. And the result is the sin that you and I have inherited. Compare that, compare Adam with Jesus, who is the new Adam, a new and better Adam. He is here, why? To crush the serpent's head. He is here in perfect obedience to his father's command, with perfect trust in his father's word. He is here humble and mild, which means that he is faithful to protect the kingdom given to him by his father. He is faithful to fight against the enemies of God's people, against your enemies and mine. He is not proud. And he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. And being found in the likeness of men, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of the cross, throwing no one under the bus, but enduring himself the punishment for every sin that he never committed. That is cause for rejoicing. That is the reason why we hear Zechariah shout, Rejoice greatly! O daughter of Zion, rejoice, dear Christians, because Jesus is here to do what no human king ever could do. Human kings fight with swords and spears because their enemies attack with swords and spears. Jesus is here to fight against the devil who attacks with lies, since he is the father of lies. He lied in the beginning by telling Adam and Eve that they would not surely die if they ate that fruit. You won't die, but you'll be like God, he told them. You'll live forever. God's threats are empty, he said. God doesn't mean what he said. God doesn't love you, he insisted. That lie led to the problem that afflicts all of us. But then his lie changed. This is what he says now. Once Adam and Eve had eaten and all mankind fell under God's curse, the lie changed. Now it sounds like this. Look at what you've done, he says. Look into your hearts. You see what's in them. You know how you are. You know you haven't obeyed God. There's no way, the devil says, there's no way that God could love you. Death really is what you should fear. You should live now, enjoying every moment, because at the end of the day, this life is all you've got. And you'll land with everyone else in the grave. That's what the devil says. Those are his lies. This is what Jesus has come to defeat, and he does it in the most miraculous way. He does it by his own life, and death, and resurrection. He suffers on the cross, enduring the punishment that you and I deserve, and then he is laid in the tomb where you and I belong. But in a stunning and unbelievable display of victory over the devil and sin and the grave, he rose. He rose from the dead and came out of the tomb and proved once for all what you should never, ever doubt, that God's word is good. That his promises for you will last. The word of God endures forever. That his love for you, which is written from beginning to end in the scriptures, his love for you, so great that it is seen in the death of Jesus on the cross, in giving up his own son, his love for you will never change. That is the truth. That is the truth the devil is fighting against. Hold fast to that truth and see how your Savior has defeated the devil. How he has destroyed his lies by showing you what life and resurrection look like. By casting your sins as far as the east is from the west into the deepest part of the sea, they can harm you no more. Although you will die, yet 
You will live. Though your body will be laid in the grave, yet it will rise on the last day to eternal glory in God's kingdom. That is what Jesus is here to do. As he lays there in the manger, all sweet and mild, he's there to grow up. To grow up into a king who will fight for you. He is here to fight for you. He is here to be your king. Your king. Humble and strong. He is here to win the victory. So that you can have peace. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.